Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cost of Glory, where it is our mission to retell the lives of the Greek and Roman heroes in order to sharpen ourselves for the present, using Plutarch as our guide. A quick announcement, and then I'll get to Plutarch's very timely and brief message for you today. I'm pleased to announce the next three episodes will be on the life of Gaius Marius. Now, if you haven't listened to the life of Sertorius, you might want to do that. Marius features prominently there, but you don't have to, to appreciate Marius. These biographies are all meant to be able to stand alone. In case you have listened to Sertorius, though, and thought, ah, Marius, terrible guy, or I've heard that story already, well, I think you're going to find a rather different, maybe more complex version of Marius presented in this upcoming life. I've been researching this guy more deeply, and I think, well, I don't want to give too much away now, but one of the really interesting things about Marius is how strikingly different versions of the man and his story and his character appear in different sources about him after his life. And that kind of is the case with Sertorius as well. So, as with Sertorius... With Marius too, you know, in all of these lives, really, I always consider it my duty to tell the truest story I can about someone. But I like to think that that often means erring on the side of giving people the benefit of the doubt. That's just my approach. So stay tuned for next week. Either way, Marius's life is one heck of a story. Now then, I have a little theory about why Plutarch wrote these biographies, these parallel lives. And here's how it goes. So Plutarch wrote an essay entitled On Listening, Peritu Akuen. It's often translated On Listening to Lectures. And it's worth explaining the context a little bit. You see, in Plutarch's day in the High Roman Empire, in a well-stocked town, you might have a public square, a theater, an odeon, And it was common for people to give sort of edifying speeches for the general public in these sorts of places. Lectures. Now, on one day, it might be a juggling show. Another day, it was a flute player or a poet. But on another day, a philosopher might be speaking. And a good example of this kind of person is an ancient writer named Dio Chrysostom, or Dio the Golden Mouth, which is, uh, he was a sort of combination moral philosopher and public entertainer. And so uh, Plutarch writes this essay to a young friend of his named Nicander on listening to lectures about how to get in the right frame of mind when you're listening to someone giving a lecture like this. And you get a sense that sometimes these guys, these lecturers, these philosophers were actually kind of boring. And Dio, Chrysostom, was one of the better ones. He was decent enough to have his writings copied by medieval monks later in the Middle Ages, and we still have them. But even still, you know, Dio is not everybody's cup of tea, to say the least. But Plutarch makes the point to his friend Nicander that young men like him often fail to grasp that kind of, you know, even if it's boring, you can benefit from listening to explicitly morally edifying or philosophical lectures. And in fact, once you're out of school, out of your parents' house, if you don't seek out this kind of improving content, so to speak, 
and approach it with the right mindset, then you might never make progress in virtue and gradually end up an unhappy, incomplete person. So you, of course, you can imagine some of the kinds of commonplaces Plutarch brings in in this essay. You know, you can find it and read it if you want. The gods gave us two ears, but only one mouth, and so on. And there's also a great quote about Epaminondas, the Theban general, whom I hope to cover soon. Um, It was said of Epaminondas that it was not easy to find a man who knew more and spoke less. And in this essay, there are many other things worthy of consideration. But then in the course of this essay, and this is the point I want to get to, Plutarch makes an interesting observation. He notes that uh, most of the youths of his day, quote, if they chance upon someone who is giving an account of a dinner or a procession or a dream or a wordy brawl which he has had with another man, they listen in silence and importune him to continue. Yet if anybody draws them to one side and tries to impart something useful or to advise them of some duty or to admonish them when in the wrong or to mollify them when incensed, they have no patience with him, but eager to get the better of him if they can, they fight against what he says, and then they go fill their ears with anything rather than the things they need. So Plutarch maybe had a little experience getting frustrated with trying to impart direct, explicitly edifying messages to other people. And in the context, in this message to his friend and and to us, you know, he's saying, well, you need to practice listening when you're given these opportunities to grow, these kind of lecture scenarios. And, you know, you could think of many parallels today. And that's good. You should do that, of course, for sure. But the thing I wanted to point out, you know, this essay of Plutarch's, we don't know for sure when exactly he wrote it, but it has the feel of something that he put together earlier in his career. For example, there aren't as many quotes and commonplaces as you find in a lot of his more mature works when he's had a lifetime of research under his belt. So I kind of imagine that maybe it was experiences like this, seeing how people actually respond to instruction that put Plutarch on the path of writing biographies in the first place. Because Plutarch was really driven to help people. And in fact, more of his writings that exist that survive are these moral essays by pure page count than biographies. And, you know, Plutarch wanted to teach people about virtue and vice, show them how to pursue the one and avoid the other. But he was also a careful observer of psychology, and maybe he realized that sometimes stories are a more effective way to improve people than direct moral exhortations. So, Does it apply to biography podcasts? Well, I'd love to hear what you think. Send me an email, alex at ancientlifecoach.com, or reach out on Twitter sometime, or write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Really helps others to find this stuff, if you think it's edifying. Meanwhile, stay strong, stay ancient, get some rest. Till next week, this is Alex Petkus.